how many of you here had the childhood where you grew up playing outside? All right, yeah, that's right. So, so you, you, know, you know what it's like. You, you know the, the soccer outside, you know the baseball, the basketball, the football. The football was tackle in the grass, but it was two-hand touch in the street. Um, you had to watch out for the cars zipping on by, or car, you know, that whole deal. Let me see the hands. You grew up playing outside. One more time, lift those hands proudly. We made it, guys. We survived. <laughs> we survived. I grew up playing outside. Outside was my favorite place to be as a kid. Now, many of you know that my parents have a ministry in Haiti, schools, churches, orphanages. And so that means 75% of the time I was here in the States playing outside, but 20% of the time I was in Haiti playing outside with my friends and my cousins and my brothers and sisters outside. So three months out of the year, two and a half, three months, depending on how long the summer vacation was, I was in Haiti playing outside. And it's very, very similar to playing outside here in the States. Now, we spent most of our time in the capital city of Port-au-Prince. But my favorite times were when we would go to where my dad was born and raised, and it's this place called Guomon. And translated, that means Big Mountain. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to say Guomon. Actually, I lied. I am going to ask you to say Guomon. Let's all say it together. The word is Guomon. One, two, three. Guomon. Nice. Now that you got it, let's say it a little bit louder. Guomon. One, two, three. Guomon. I grew up in this place called Big Mountain. Okay? And in this area, everybody was related. Okay? All, everybody, that was my brother, that was my, 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 my adopted brother or my cousin. Everybody was my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. And so my parents didn't have to be as strict with the rules outside when we were in Guamon. I could actually run free and have the time of my life. Um, and so that's what I did. We run around, ran around, played with marbles and cars and soccer. And the game that really separated us was really tag. That was really the, the game. I mean, as a kid, tag separates the boys from the little boys. I mean, a tag is the kind of the game that separates, that separates us. And on one occasion, I'm playing tag. Now, you know the rules. When you're outside and you're playing tag, you're playing baseball, you're playing basketball, soccer, whatever you're playing, you know the rules. When the sun goes down and the street lights kick on, you, what time is it? It's time to go home. It's time to go home. Well, there weren't any street lights in this mountain or anything like that, but there was the sun, and it was dusk, and I'm out playing with my friends, having the time of my life. And my dad gets out on the porch, and now here's how these homes are laid. You can be in your home on the porch, but it's kind of like a countryside, so everybody has a few acres, and then you can look over into your neighbor's yard and, you know, that whole deal. So my dad gets on our porch, looks over to our neighbor's porch, sees me playing with my friends, and so he yells out, and, and he says this in Creole, he says, uh, And what that means is, my man, the time has come. And that, that's what my dad said, So I hear my dad say this, and I choose to ignore him. And I keep playing, <laughs> keep running around, and I'm having a good time. He says it again, I hear him this time, so do my friends, and they're like, oh, you're going to say something? I ignore him again, and I keep running and keep running. Third time, he says it for the third time, but this time he says, I don't need to translate for you. 
You've all heard it. <laughs> You've all heard that before. So this time I hear him say that, and I am so frustrated because I'm having the time of my life with my friends. So I look back and I say, no! And I run like the wind. I run as fast as I can away from my dad. And I had those Reebok pumped up shoes, you know? So I'm pumped. I'm pumped. And I am running like the wind. I can hear the wind whistling past my ears. And I am going for it. Until this day, I don't know how he did this. But in like 0.9 seconds, I hear these two footsteps behind me just boom, boom. And then I feel his hand on my back. And he turns me around, and there I am, and I'm looking at my dad's face. And um, I knew it was uh, It was time to go. It was time to go home. Uh, I knew it was time to go home. Now, see, all of us in this room, we have maybe similar childhood stories, but all of us, we grow up, and we realize that our parents or our guardians weren't trying to keep us from fun. Our parents and our guardians were telling us, "Hey, it's time to come home. It's time to wash up and get refreshed. It's time to." It's time for supper, eat so you can get nourishment, get your strength. It's time to rest so you can be prepared for the next day. Now, we all grow up and we all go through this maturation process in our lives, and now we understand that. Now, nobody has to come and tell us it's time to do this or that. We understand that, and we understand that process, and we understand that that's how we grow and we mature that way. But a lot of times, I don't believe that we put the same effort and we allow ourselves to go through the same maturation process in our spiritual lives. Sometimes in our spiritual lives, we can get so caught up in where we are in our comfort zones, where we are right now, that we neglect to ever think about maturing and growing and developing in our relationship with the Lord. Now, a few months ago, I'm reading in the Bible, I'm reading this scripture. It's in the book of Numbers. And I've read this scripture tons of times. I love the Old Testament. It's, it's the story of Moses, and I've read it over and over and over again. I love, love, love reading the Old Testament. I, I've been in church my whole life. Actually, even before I was born in my mother's womb, we, she was on the front row. I was in church. I was in church all of the time. And I heard this story over and over and over again. But when I read this passage of Scripture this time, it hit me in a completely different way. It connected with me differently. And it's in Numbers. And what I want to do is I'm going to read just the pieces of it that stuck out to me when I read it. We're just going to take fragments of the scripture in the beginning, but in the end, we'll read the whole thing in context. How does that sound? Does that sound all right? Okay. So here it is. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 7. And God says this. He says, I trust Moses to lead all my people. I speak face to face with him. I trust Moses to lead all my people. I speak face to face with him. Now, I know the story of Moses, and I've read the story of Moses, and I knew that that's not where Moses started. Moses had gone through this process, and I'm like, wait a minute. God eventually says, to, says about Moses that I speak to Moses face to face, but that's not where Moses' story began. So today, we're going to walk through a little bit of the story of Moses. And if you've heard the story of Moses before, you know about the Ten Plagues, and you know about parting the Red Sea, and you know about the Ten Commandments, and all the cool things uh, about Moses' story. And we'll, we'll touch a little bit on those things, but what I really want to focus on is Moses' spiritual growth process, Moses' spiritual maturation, 
Moses' spiritual development in his relationship with the Lord. And I believe all of us in this room are going to find ourselves and we're going to need to identify ourselves in Moses' story in one of four different places. There's four different places, four different groups of, 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 of some, four different places in time where Moses' relationship went from his comfort zone to the next place that God was calling him. Four different times. There's four different processes. So all of us here today, as we go through this, I want you to think and identify yourself and see which one of those places are you in, and then we'll all move forward together. So let's go up to 100,000 feet and talking about Moses. Here's a brief, basic timeline of Moses' life. From zero to 40 years old, Moses is raised in the palace. Moses is raised as one of Pharaoh's sons, basically. Pharaoh's daughter raises Moses. So Moses is raised as a prince of Egypt, okay? He's an Israelite, he's a Hebrew, but he's raised as a prince of Egypt from zero to 40. 40, he commits a crime, a terrible crime, and he escapes. He flees before anybody could find him or grab him and punish him for his crime. At 40 years old, he runs away to the wilderness. From 40 to 80, he's in the wilderness, he is in the wilderness, he finds a new family, he gets married, and he becomes a shepherd. Zero to 40, he's in the palace. 40 to 80, he's in the wilderness. And then from 80 to 120 years old, that's where the story of Moses, all the stories that we know, the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, all of that, that happens from Moses is 80 to 120. We're going to start the story of Moses when he's 80 years old. At 80 years old, Moses has his first adult God encounter. This is the first time Moses encounters God as an adult, and it's at 80 years old. And it's the story of the burning bush. So Moses, as a shepherd now, he's in the wilderness. Moses, as a shepherd, he's leading his sheep through this mountain called Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. So he's leading his sheep through Mount Sinai, and he sees this burning bush, and it's engulfed in flames, but the bush isn't decaying. It catches his attention. And once he stops and looks at this burning bush, there's a voice that comes out of the bush. And that voice says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. And then the voice, which is the voice of God, continues the conversation like this. We read about it in Exodus. And it says this, do not come any closer. This is the Lord speaking. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So Moses' first encounter with the Lord begins with him being afraid and him covering his face. But Moses eventually gets to this point in his relationship with the Lord where the Lord says, I speak to Moses face to face. All of us will have to grow and develop in our spiritual lives how we develop and grow in our natural lives. All of us have to go through a spiritual maturation. But the enemy of progress is comfort. The enemy of progress is comfort. And a lot of times we get very, very comfortable in our understanding of God in our lives, in our Christian bubbles, we get very, very comfortable in these little places and we never progress. We never progress. So some of us find ourselves in this first encounter that Moses has with the Lord. Some of us find ourselves where we've heard the voice of God. 
And here's what that means. We've heard the word of God. This morning, we're reading scriptures. You're here. We're, we're listening to the word of God. Some of you have received the call of God. I feel like the Lord is calling me to do whatever it is. Most of us will go through this process where we start here, where we hear the voice of God, we hear the word of God, and we respond to that. And that's how we become Christians. So some of us are here in this phase. You've heard the voice of God. And it's very important that some of you may not even be here in this place just yet. Some of you may be in the 40 to 80 point where you haven't had that encounter with the Lord yet. Some of you, your past isn't 40 years ago. Your past is 12 hours ago. And I just want you to know, and it's important that you know this, that you are never too far away from God. That no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, you can always respond to the voice of God and you can get here. You can get here. But the enemy of progress is comfort. Start here, but don't stay here. Because Moses didn't. So Moses, eventually, he moves to this new area. Now, this is the other story. We've heard about this many times if you've been in church. Moses and the Ten Commandments. Don't lie, don't steal, commit murder, that whole deal. Well, Moses, when he has this encounter with God where he gets the Ten Commandments, he actually goes back up on a mountain. And that mountain, again, is Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, God actually gives Moses these Ten Commandments. Now, this was after a while. God and Moses were speaking to each other, and, God, and they were talking about all sorts of things. And at the end of their conversation, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And here's what it says in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18. It says this, When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. And that stuck out to me, written by the finger of God. So Moses has moved from the place where he, not only has he heard here, the voice of God, I hear God's voice, he moves over to the place where now he's starting to see God's hand at work. Now he's seeing God's craftsmanship. And I would say that a lot of us in our Christian lives, we get comfortable, very comfortable right here. And in this place, we've responded to the voice of God, and we believe it, and then now we're starting to see the hand of God. We're starting to see how God has been orchestrating our lives. We're starting to see how, wow, God would send me in Pharaoh's home so I can learn how to be a ruler, but then take me into the wilderness and teach me how to be a shepherd so I can eventually lead his people into the very place that I learned how to be a shepherd. You're like Moses, you're starting to see how your whole life makes sense. This is the first time where your life actually makes sense. And we stay here because now that our lives make sense, we start asking God to do more things. God, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And God loves doing that. That's totally fine. That is totally fine. We start seeing the hand of God over our lives, and we start asking God to do more. The Bible talks about us being the clay and the Lord being the potter. And some of you here, this is the place where you get restored. This is the place where all the cracks and broken pieces of your life actually get restored. So this is a very, very important place to be in. But the enemy of progress is comfort. After we've gotten restored, after we've learned what God can do with his hands, it's important for us to get to the next step. But it's also important to know that the greatest work that God is doing is the work in you. That's the greatest work that God is doing. It's the work inside of you. 
that even though he can split a Red Sea, what's most important to him is that he is penetrating your heart and he is fixing all the broken pieces. The greatest work that God is doing is the work inside of each and every single one of us. But the enemy of progress is comfort. Most people stay here. And that's okay. That's okay. If you just want this to be your life, then that's fine. But you're leaving so many more things on the table. Moses didn't leave anything on the table. Moses eventually gets to this next place. Now, here's the scene. Moses has two stone tablets. And he's coming down the mountain. He's got the finger of God. He wrote the Ten Commandments. And he comes back down, and the Israelites have run amok. The Israelites have lost their minds. In the time that he was getting the Ten Commandments, the Israelites started worshiping some other god. They put all their gold together, made a calf. They're singing and dancing. And he's like, what happened here? Right? Many of you, if you leave your kids at home for the first time, you come back. Yeah, you, you know the scene, right? So Moses comes down. He's like, what happened here? And he throws the two stone tablets on the floor, and they break into pieces. There goes the handwriting of God. There goes, he's so frustrated, he throws it down, and it breaks into a bunch of different pieces. And so God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, all right, come back up the mountain. I'll give you a new set of stone tablets. <laughs> now, here's the interesting about this particular place that Moses gets to. The next time that he goes up to the mountain to get the tablets from the Lord, Moses asked God a different request. Not only now is he asking the Lord, Lord, show me what you can do and, and give me something to help me lead. Moses is leading millions of people. He needs help. Moses asked a different question. Moses asked God in this second time up Mount Sinai. He says, Lord, show me, show me your glory. And Moses gets to this place where it's, I know what you can do, but I want to know more of who you are. I know that you've got a plan for my life. I know that you restore me. I know that you can do incredible, miraculous things. But I just want to know more of who you are. I just want to be closer to you. Show me your glory. And then this is God's response. God says, Exodus chapter 33, verse 22, he says, When my glory passes that place, I will put a large crack in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will take away my hand and you will see my back but my face must not be seen. Basically what God said is, I know that you want to see my glory, but you can't handle all of this. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can't handle, no, actually don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> all right. I got one more service to get it right. <laughs> no, don't, you don't need to say that. So God is saying, look, I know that you want to see all of who I am, but you cannot handle all of this right now. If I had time, we could go deep into the full meaning of that. But basically, Moses was not all that there because Moses still had sin in his life. He, he, he had not had Jesus die for his sins just yet. So Moses could not behold the full weight and the full glory of God because Jesus had not died for his sins just yet. And I think it's so interesting that God says, okay, I'm going to put you right here in this mountain on this, on this corner of this rock. And then my glory is going to pass. I'm going to cover you with my hand, what you've already known. You know my hand. You recognize my hand. I'm going to cover, cover your eyes with my hand. And then as I'm passing by, I'll remove my hand, and then you can see my back. You can see the trail of my glory. You can see the trail of who I am. And, and I, I would say that many people think that this is the place where you eventually want to get to. This is the end. This is the end where you cross over from the place. What can, what can God do for me to... God, I just want to know more of who you are. 
And that's the place that I thought that, yeah, this is, this is really the end. This is really the ultimate goal for all of us. But then I read that scripture in Numbers that said that I speak to Moses face to face. I speak to Moses face to face. And I kept reading it and I kept reading it and I kept reading it and I kept reading it. And then I begin to ask God, God, show me. What's the next step? I don't want to get comfortable. I, I, I would say for most of my Christian life, I've identified with this place where I thought that this was it. Lord, show me, is there more? Because if there's more, I want to know as much, as much as I possibly can know. So now let's read that verse in context. Let's go back to the verse, the, the, the scripture that we started with, Numbers chapter 12. God speaks to Moses face to face. I trust him to lead all my people. Let's read that verse in context. Now that we've known the journey of Moses, now that we know where he started from, he started with hearing the voice of God, and then he started seeing the hand of God and what God was able to do, and then he gets to this place where he even sees the back of God, the glory of God. God, I just want to see more of you. I don't need to see the, the cool things. I just want to see more of you. And then he eventually gets to this place where God says, I speak to Moses face to face. And it says this, he said, listen to my words. When prophets are among you, I, the Lord, will show myself to them in visions. I will speak to them in dreams. But this is not true with my servant Moses. Now, the setup for this is Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, they had been talking behind Moses' back. And Moses, the Bible doesn't say that Moses heard this, but the Bible does say that God heard this. He heard they were talking behind Moses' back. And so he calls a meeting with Miriam and Aaron, and he says, let's go to this tent. I'm going to meet with you guys. He brings Moses in there. And this is his response to, to Aaron and Miriam. He says, I speak to prophets with visions, and I speak to them in dreams, but that's not true with Moses. I trust him to lead all my people. I speak to him face to face, clearly, not with hidden meanings. He has even seen the form of the Lord. You should be afraid to speak against my servant Moses. I trust him to lead all my people. I speak face to face with him, clearly, not with hidden meanings. He has even seen the form of the Lord. You should be afraid to speak against my servant Moses. Now, the progression from Moses on Mount Sinai saying, Lord, show me your glory, and he sees the back, to eventually this place that we get to. This is a whole, uh, this is a whole book of the Bible over. We went from Exodus, and now we've gotten to Numbers. We've gotten to a whole different place in the Bible. So some time has passed. This is right before Moses sends out the, 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 the spies in the land to survey the land. So some time has passed. So there's been a progression in Moses' journey where now God speaks to him face to face. He's moved from the place where it's not just, Lord, show me your glory, but now the Lord sees his face on Moses. The Lord speaks to Moses face to face, face to face, and face to face. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says that when Moses would come from the mountain speaking with, with, with the Lord or the tent or wherever he went to speak with the Lord, his face would be shining so brightly that he'd have to take a veil and cover his face because it was so bright for everybody who was looking at him and around him. Moses got to the place where his face was shining with the glory of God. Not only did he see it, but he carried it. 
that's the place that Moses got to. So how do we get there? How do we get to this place? And really, I don't think it's just about getting to this place. I think for everybody in the room, it's to get to the next place. So if you're here, your next step is, well, how do I respond to the voice of God? And then if you're here in the voice, how do I respond and get to the next place? How do I get to the place where I'm starting to see the hand of God move in my life? How do I go to where I'm asking the Lord, Lord, I, I don't care what you can do. I know you can do great things. I just want to know more of who you are to where now I'm walking around and people can see the Lord on me. How do we get there? How do we move through this progression? Well, looking at the life of Moses, you have to recognize where he says you are right now. Recognize where God says you are right now. Here's why it's important to recognize where God says you are right now. Because if you ask me how good I am at putting up my clothes, I'll tell you I'm great. But if you ask my wife, she'll say I have room for improvement. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we can boost ourselves up and we're overconfident. But in the same way, sometimes we can defeat ourselves. Sometimes we can put ourselves lower than we actually are. Moses did this. God called him to go back to Egypt and free the people, and Moses was like, I can't. But God says, no, you can, and you can right now. But, but, but God, I, I've been running. I, I haven't known you for 80 years. I want to use you right now. So it's important to recognize where God says you are right now and then respond to where he's leading you. Not only do you now, okay, I recognize where I'm at. I'm, I've heard his voice. I've, I've seen his hands. I've seen, I, I want to see his glory and his back. But, and I also want to reflect the, the glory of the Lord. I, I want to do that, but respond to where he's leading you. Respond to where he's leading you. For Moses, the response was, I need you to trust me. I need you to have faith in me. I need you to trust that I have the best for you. I need you to consistently lead my people. I need you to keep coming back to this mountain, this Guomon. I need you to keep coming back to Mount Sinai. We need to continue our relationship. So Moses responded to where God was leading him. And then finally, it's repeat. Finally, you just got to repeat. Over and over and over and over again, Moses' journey was the same way. The enemy of progress is comfort. And we can get comfort, we can get comfortable and get stuck if we never continue and repeat this process. If we never continue and repeat this process where we're growing and we're growing and we're learning and we're learning. We'll stay five-year-olds. But it's time to stop playing games and move into spiritual maturation, not just in our lives, but also in our spiritual lives. Now, Moses lived for 120 years. You and me don't have that kind of time, okay? We don't have 120 years. But we don't need 120 years. Because Moses was doing all of this, and he was developing in his relationship with the Lord without the finished work of what Jesus did. Paul talks about now our new benefit now because of what Jesus has done. Remember that veil that I was telling you about, the veil that Moses had to cover his face with? Well, in Corinthians, here's what Paul says. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. To see and reflect the glory of the Lord. When we accept Jesus, because of the finished work that Jesus did on the cross, we can now see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. This is what Jesus did for you, and this is what Jesus did for me.
when he hung on the cross, he grabbed the first step and the last step, and he died so we can travel through every single comfort zone there is. So you and I could not only see the glory of God, but we could reflect it with no veil. What does that mean? Now, wherever we go, we reflect the glory of God. When we walk into a place, we look different. Something's different about us. People can't explain it. Something's different about you. That's what happens when we start reflecting the glory of God. That's what Jesus did for you and me. The Bible says before he was crucified that he was beaten so badly that you couldn't recognize his face. You couldn't even recognize Jesus because he had been beaten so badly you couldn't see his face. And then he offered his back and took whip after whip after lash after lash for you and me for every single one of our sins. He offered his back for us. And then with his hands, he took the nails in his hands and he hung on the cross for you and me. And bearing the weight of all sin, past, present, and future for every single person who has lived and will live, he looked up to the heavens and he said, my God, my God, with his voice, why have you forsaken me? Jesus did that for you and me. He offered his face. He offered his back. He offered his hands. He he lifted up his voice for you and me. Jesus took on this form so you and I could see God's form. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. It's a finished work. It's a finished work. He didn't hang on the cross. He didn't die and rise again so we could stay in our comfort zones. What would happen to your business if when people walked in there, they felt something different? What would happen to your home if when your kids walked in and when they walked out, they saw and reflected the glory of God? What would happen to this church if when we came here, we experienced the fullness, the glory of God, and when we walked out, everybody in Safety Harbor and Pinellas County saw something different about us? What would happen to our county? There is too much on the line for us to stay comfortable. There is too much on the line so we can stay comfortable. Let's all stand. I'm going to invite the prayer partners to make their way down the aisles and stand up here in the front. And just for 45 seconds, I want to talk to the people in the room. You're not in four. You're not in three. You're not in two. You're not even in one. You haven't even had the chance to respond to the voice of God. What I want to tell you is, your father is calling you to come home. Your father has rest for you. Your father wants to replenish you. Your father wants to restore you. And the time has come for you to say yes. And then all of us in this room, every single one of us, you can come down the aisles too. And the prayer partners are here to pray for you, to get you out of your comfort zone and get you to progress. And then tonight at five o'clock, it's the perfect place. Worship is the perfect place and the perfect posture for us to recognize who God says we are 
and respond to where he's leading us. So at five o'clock, won't you come back tonight and we'll worship together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your finished work. It's done. And because of that, we can step out of every single one of our comfort zones and we can progress to a deeper and deeper and deeper relationship with you. We don't want to just hear your voice and not respond and say no. We don't want to just see your hands and what you can do, although it's amazing. We don't want to just see a part of your glory. We don't want to just know all that you can do and how majestic you are. We want you to speak to us face to face, and we want to reflect your glory everywhere we go. Won't you do that? Get us out of our comfort zones so we can speak to you face to face. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.